on episode 133 of the Vincast, I chat with Loic Avril, head sommelier for Dinner by Heston, Melbourne. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Vincast. My name is James Gasbrook, otherwise known as the Intrepid Wino, and uh, yet another delay to get uh, another episode up. I do apologize, as always. Uh, it can be a very much a challenge to uh, to run this little podcast all on my own um, and uh, with uh, time constraints to do with my work and my home life and uh, my burgeoning wine business. Uh, sometimes. Uh, finding the time to actually uh, both uh, organize a recording, um, doing the editing and putting it up uh, can be very, very difficult. So I do appreciate your patience. Uh, I have recorded the first episode for this year, which will be coming out very soon. I have some more episodes in the pipeline. I hope uh, I'll be able to uh, sit down with some more fascinating guests. But uh, this episode is uh, one that I recorded last year with um, a, a very good colleague and friend uh, and someone I have very much enjoyed working with in the last couple of years. His name is Loic Avril. Uh, originally from France. He is the head sommelier for Dinner by Heston here in Melbourne and um, is an incredible, incredible sommelier uh, and very soon, I'm sure, will become a master sommelier. But uh, we had a chat about his background and it's fantastic to hear about some of the great places that he's worked in his career. So I do hope you enjoy the episode. Please stick around until the end to find out how you can get in touch with uh, Loic and myself uh, if you did enjoy it. But until then, I'll see you on the other side. Loic, uh, it's an honor and a pleasure to have you uh, here in the uh, the Vincast studio. Uh, welcome and thank you very much for making some time to be a guest. Thank you very much for welcoming me back. Welcome me, uh, welcome me uh, in your house and uh, thank you very much again. Uh, uh, Loic, I start my, my, every episode of my podcast asking my guest if they can remember uh, the first interaction that they had with wine that made them realize that there was something special about wine that possibly started them on a path towards working with wine? Actually, it was uh, about f almost 15 years ago. Well, uh, In the uh, middle of Loire Valley, where I'm, I'm from. Uh, which was, part of the Loire Valley? Cause it's, uh, so, very obviously, long, it's really. very broad, definitely. So, surrounding tour where mm -hmm. my family house is close to the Vouvray region, and we are within that beautiful uh, AOC of Vouvray. So, just... Uh, just discovering many different things, but being a child and living in the countryside is always more easy to play either in the vineyard or playing in the field and stuff like that. So everything started in, in that area, but the whole love of wine became a little bit more realistic as soon as I started to work in this beautiful place in uh, Azel Rido, which is where wines are very well produced as well. But that gentleman has uh, amazing wine cellar, so... I had the opportunity to, to to go there and to experience a bit more about the wines. Mm. Your family doesn't have any involvement with the, the wine business at all? We do. Uh, my grandfather used to have some uh, lands and vineyards, but never kind of like, uh, kind of sell the grapes, never kind of make them, uh, let's say. So he already 
had a few lands and few vineyards and few uh, forests and stuff like that. So we, we had a certain connection without to have the connection of making the wines, but always uh, that inspiration of, uh, kind of, you know, being in that kind of industry of culture and let's say farming, let's say uh, more than anything else. So that was uh, the first link, but my grandfather always had a lot of wine at home. So we already, uh, already had so many friends surrounding Vouvray where obviously so many beautiful producers are located. So there is already a good connection from that. And was, uh, was wine and food important for your family as you were growing up? Always. Uh, it's been always, you know, uh, as to be, uh, let's say, French, you always uh, spend a lot of time uh, uh, within the family and at, at, at the table. Mm-hmm. You usually spend between three to four hours every weekend. So tradition has to be uh, first aperitif for at least two hours. Uh-huh. And then after you're following with the starters for at least an hour and a half. And then you do the same with the rest of the courses. So you end up to, to start at 12 and finish at 7 with a few bottles going throughout. <laughs> Just a few? <laughs> Just a few. And uh, it's always been uh, obviously in, in, interacting for for a kid, whatever the age you are, you always ask questions. So there is always uh, more and more to discover throughout that. And obviously the more you're growing up and more you're actually understanding all these facts, I would mm. say. Do you, do you remember your family um, enjoying wines from the like, from the area a lot, or did they kind of enjoy wines throughout France and maybe even further? I mean, in terms of uh, our uh, social life, uh, more uh, my family always kind of focus more on uh, local and cheaper wines. I would say, mm-hmm. uh, it's been and a lot of very good, good inexpensive wines from that area. Exactly, you can always like kind of purchase things around five, six euros and be very, very happy with the quality of the wines. And obviously, that is make uh, Loire Valley to be in certain way more accessible than other regions back in France, but. Uh, the time when I was five, ten years old, definitely it was even cheaper than that. So there is always a more, let's say, uh, accessibility to those wines in the time. So mm. we could face and open beautiful wines from back vintage and even release vintage as five, six euros and have an amazing bottle. Mm. Did your family have any expectations for you as far as your career or did, did they kind of encourage you to follow your own path? Uh, it's never been influential. I come from a very, let's say, quite not middle class, even lower than that. Uh, my family never had a chance to to have money in their house, but uh, their kids and the way they actually educate uh, each kids has been uh, great to see. And even now, uh, I think after all these years, I can really appreciate uh, everything I've done. And everything that has been done to me uh, for the last few years, because uh, everything belongs from that. Mm. Uh, so my involvement to the family, uh, the respect and the education has been crazy on that. Uh, but overall, I think uh, now everything has been uh, none from them, but only from my part to become a better person. So, um, as far as your, you know, later uh, high school and, uh, and and beyond, uh, what what did you think about you wanted to do? Did you have ideas about working in in hospitality? We went. What was your first job? So I was about ten years old, when it was one of the kind of like subject at school, and uh, 
it was just uh, imagining uh, or have a, a certain picture of what we want to do in the future. And uh, we had like different things in the library and they give us like folders and it was position and kind of like, you know, read through the position and see if it was any interest. And I came through that page that was actually receptionist. And I look actually, uh, the first things I was looking at is uh, what was the salary that you will get from me. <laughs> and uh, when I look at it, I was like, oh, okay, it's pretty good. So it's maybe something I should do. And from there, uh, 10 years old, uh, it took me about four years to actually start from my first, let's say, apprenticeship restaurant where I was still in my let's say, uh, college school last year where I actually succeed very well. And even my educator or my teachers were like, oh, you should continue to uh, high university level because you have the degree for it. And I was like, I know, but I want to follow my path, which is hospitality. And I want to work in a Michelin star restaurant where a couple of months ago, I did actually a, a stage in a three Michelin star restaurant in Tours, which was uh, one of the most uh, kind of iconic restaurants uh, in that town. And since then, I didn't leave it. I just follow my, my, uh, my believing and say, okay, you know what? Even though I have the qualification, the degree on uh, exceeding my expectation of uh, studies, I decide to actually do an apprenticeship in hospitality. And since then, this is who I am. Can you remember um, those early experiences and pot potentially what was it about that kind of work that appealed to you quite a lot? What did you enjoy about it most? I mean, at the beginning, uh, like it was more like a discovery channel, I would say. Uh, being from a very, not poor family, but, uh, you know... Uh, honest. Simple. Honest family, a simple mm -hmm. family, we... We live simple, and as soon as you start to walk in beautiful dining, I uh, beautiful tablecloth and amazing rooms with uh, chandelier and uh, amazing uh, kind of um, you know suit and beautiful uh, polish shoe uh, and all this you know all these kind of uh, ceremony and all these uh, attention to vi detail vibrancy of the restaurant mm -hmm. uh, start to kind of open my eyes, uh, and even though you know the. Uh, the old gold, silver, uh, all these approach, you're like, wow, you know, you you feel like you are in a movie, you know, you, you want to, you want to, you want to exceed uh, that uh, mm. interior, I mm -hmm. would say, uh, as to become inside of you, you know, just to be a bit more fashionable. Sure. But overall, I think it's, it's been, when I, when I look back, uh, when I first entered this restaurant, I was a little bit, you know, shy, and you, you are shy, and I am shy in general, uh, and what put me Outside of my boundaries is definitely the talking, the, the sociability of the work mm. that make me to continue that business because outside of work, I'm a little bit more reserved. And actually, when I enter a dining room, I feel like I am in a, a theater. <laughs> so um, even those early days, you were working with some people that uh, you found the, the, the working relationship very good and they, you know, there was uh, everyone had this very... Um, dedicated idea about, uh, you know, we, quality must be very good and we all work together as a team. This was a, a positive influence as well? The positive was there, uh, but more or less is obviously my drive. Um, one thing I remember, the first time I actually went for a job interview was for my first restaurant. And even the, the gentleman was like, oh, I'm very surprised that actually you have made that decision to you because no, your parents was not involved. I was like, yes, I, I know. It was more uh, 
uh, me to uh, drive that uh, kind of interview. Mm-hmm. I like uh, be able to 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 call the person in charge, like which is uh, the the gentleman that I was talking with, and and say, you know what, uh, I really want to do this, and I think I can do it. So it was more. Uh, let's say uh, a challenge, but at the same time to say, you know what, I'm enough mature to to be able to do it. Did you was this something a part of the your decision was kind of doing it yourself? You felt you know there was independence to it, and to say, you know, I'm passionate about this. This is a path that I would like to follow. I think uh, when more and more I look back, and it looks like my uh, my road was already drawn by someone. Really? Okay. Is uh, everything as I have done the last few years is? It looks like it's been so smooth and everything, integrated. Everything made sense. So everything makes sense from the beginning. Uh, I think everything was. So it's already a, a draft in Saturday in my head, but actually, everything came along mm. with time, and everything, you know, like you, you know, sometimes you 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 think things are made for you, and it's a little bit like that. Mm. How long were you working in hospitality before wine started to become a bit more important for you and you started to work more with wine? I mean, I started in 2002. So if you look back now, it's 15 years. Yes. Actually more, like 16 years. So for a gentleman like me, which is 32, it looks like, oh, 16 years. Wow, it's amazing. The achievement uh, and how long you've been there. But actually, it's like for me, it's like yesterday. Mm-hmm. So everything is like... You don't take it for granted. You just want to work harder and harder and try to achieve uh, a new legacy of you know all these things. But more or less, I would say it's been two years after my first apprenticeship in the restaurant. I you know I did my stage in three star for three months. I was still in school, and I thought, yeah, it's what I want to do. So I, I applied for that job in a small restaurant. It was not even a Michelin star, but from the beginning. Uh, that has been a recommendation from the gentleman from the three star because that gentleman uh, used to work for them. So I replied to this restaurant. I was like, you know, I want to be a waiter and, and see how it goes. And I remember the first Christmas we had all together because uh, it was a very familiar restaurant. They they, they just gave me a, a Larousse, which is uh, one of the books that is done for wine or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And they gave me that wine uh, book. And I, the first things I actually, in my head, I was like, why why they give me a wine book? It's never been in my plan to be a sommelier or working in wine, but I was like, okay, it makes sense because if you work in the front of house, you need to know about wine. So I was like, okay, fine. That was the first link, I would say. And I still think about it and talk about it because we have a very good relationship. After 16 years, I still go to France every year and uh, every year is uh, my destination is uh, go back to the restaurant where I start. Wow. Yeah, I mean, of course, it probably helps that uh, your family's still in, uh, in just outside of Tour. Yeah, always. Uh, we're surrounding these restaurants, so we are about 5K uh, from the house. So it's always something uh, as a destination for us. We we like to, you know, you know as a gathering, uh, go back with the family. And obviously, the family is getting bigger and bigger. Uh, so we always have that uh, opportunity to to be in that restaurant and still explore uh, or experience a little bit more the, the dining and uh, the experience of that restaurant. And I feel always a very, very privileged that uh, it's always good to keep relationship with uh, your first, uh, let's say, employer. It's also great that uh, still same owners and they're still running the restaurants. You know, in Australia, it's not so common for restaurants to be open for 15, 20, 30 years. So to, to be able to kind of come back to this place and for it to be familiar 
Um, and, and like you say, to kind of go back to where the, the journey really started for you must be a very rewarding experience. And also, I guess, to share this with, with your family and, 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 and other loved ones. I mean, you know, when you, I remember the first things when I was uh, 11, 12, you know, I couldn't afford anything uh, than just running in a field and uh, being in my uh, home house uh, with my parents and having friends where they could afford anything. They could just go to the cinema, go to the bowling, and I couldn't do it because my family didn't have the money to, to be able to, to pay me those things. So I just wanted to do a life for me. And and at the, at the end of the day, when I, obviously, you know, you're being influencing you when you are young, you know, you are a boy, you are 12, 13, you know, you, you want to be, you know, you want to reflect things or you want to replicate uh, things that you see from your friends, which are sometimes not good or sometimes which are bad for you. And obviously, bad, I had a lot of bad influence at the beginning, but at the same time, I had the chance to have an amazing education where uh, it has been a lot of sacrifice uh, for for the kids. And my parents did it in the right way, not for them, but for us to become better. And I think from there, uh, I became better because I wanted to I wanted to become someone that has the impendency to be able to, you know, to buy things for yourself. And that was my only way. It sounds like that they gave you a very good appreciation for um, enjoying what you have in making, you know, making the most of what you have and to, to push yourself that you can achieve more rather than having things just given to you. Yeah. You, you must work for it. You must, and, and the value in achieving something for yourself is much greater than just having things given to you. Uh, is Definitely. I mean, my one goal is, uh, is obviously all the time I, I think about my accolade or, uh, I will say my journey, I will say, uh, everything goes back all the time to day one mm. where I first applied to this restaurant. And when I say, you know what, I will become a better person. And that was always the, the, the aim for is how can I become a better person rather than just live in that, a uh, small countryside, a uh, uh, city, and or village, I would say, and and just w- go with all the friends around and making uh, bad bad mistake or mad, bad uh, bad in uh, bad let's say bad influences because you you as soon as you you go beyond that, uh, bad influences can definitely put your life in danger. Mm. But as soon as you decide to do better, life is open to you. Mm-hmm. Your choices become a little bit easier. Um, what was the first, the big, the first big step into um, working in wine, working as a sommelier? First thing has been, uh, I did those two years in this restaurant where I learned more the basics of, you know, service and waiting and, uh, and you know, like normal, you know, more classic, you know, restaurant, French restaurant where you welcome mostly businessmen or you become, uh, or you just welcome normal guests. You know, it's been a a small kind of uh, understanding of the basics and it's from there then after you start to understand a bit more about everything from the beverage part of it from the service point of view to the kitchen point of view uh, and I remember one gentleman uh, at the time he's like he looked at me and he's like you're gonna you're gonna get you're gonna be a very strong man you're gonna be a very 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 talented person and, I, and he's still like 16 years ago now. and I was like and I still always remember remember mm. that table where I was and I still can even sit it in the restaurant and say that was the table and where that person tell me you're going to be very talented. I was like, at the beginning I didn't understand. 
And after those two years, I moved to where my cousin used to be a, a pastry chef, which is now is not following anymore the same path. But it was a beautiful restaurant in uh, in Azel Rideau in uh, in the Central Loire, and and beautiful. I mean, amazing uh, hotel restaurant where it was at least twenty five beautiful rooms and amazing wine cellar, beautiful dining experience. It was a one Michelin star, and I was like, okay, you know, I will I will apply there, and I will see. And uh, I did my second degree in university for internship of uh, to be actually a, a maître d'hôtel or a, let's say an, an aid waiter or even a supervisor in restaurant. And uh, I was like, I'm going to start there and see. And it was during the season, so I started in uh, July uh, 2000 and, uh, 2005. Uh, and in August, the uh, sommelier that was there just left. And I don't know why. Uh, it's been so much back and forth, and uh, the the owner really kind of uh, appreciated my my kind of uh, commitment to the business and the way I was working, the way I was uh, looking at things, and uh, the way I was, you know, just humble. Oh, but it is, I think for me, is is uh, one point which is super important is how you can be humble and work uh, closer to your guests and closer to your partners mm -hmm. that you can achieve things. And that was uh, the first moment and. I remember him to ask he, to ask me, you know, I, I can see from the last few months, uh, you you are looking uh, directly to the seller. You 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 getting very passionate about it. And is it something you you would like to to follow? I was like, I don't know, but I can just try and see. And I remember it was a bottle of uh, 2009 uh, La Marginal from Thierry Germain, uh, Sommier Champigny, La Roche Neuve. I was testing this wine. I was like, wow. It's amazing. It's like, what is the grape for that? It's like, oh, it's a Cabernet Franc. It's a native uh, grape variety from the region. Like, oh, wow, it's, uh, it's amazing. And since then, obviously, you as you walk in those beautiful restaurants and you have amazing cellar under the restaurant, you know, it's everything which is old, you know, dusty, uh, moisture uh, by uh, water and things like that. You really actually appreciate that diversity of of kind of uh, aging and and I don't know, the the overall scene was just perfect for me to, to grow, definitely. Mm. It's one of the things that I always uh, find fascinating about um, wine in, in a restaurant is where you have, you know, it's a very dynamic environment and, and every night is a new challenge. You know, you have different you know, customers coming in and the menu is changing quite regularly and you have new stuff. But the wine is something that it takes a long time just to go into the bottle and then, you know, a great wine needs to be cellared. And like you say, the cellar, you know, there's, you know, it's dust and mold. And, you know, so it's this really interesting combination of very, very now, like this is the present and, you know, things are moving very quickly, but the wines take time. So it's this really interesting combination. And, and it sounds like, you know, you know, this is somewhere that you are kind of able to find this, this harmony between these two extremes. There is harmony. Uh, there is harmony. Why? Because uh, first, being from Loire Valley, there is always uh, all the heritage of being in a, in a beautiful uh, wine region. And when when you start and when you when you start to to be a sommelier or you start to be a, a waiter, there is so much to learn from uh, many different kind of ways of uh, you know understanding the food. As I said. Uh, the service perspective and also the, the wine industry, which is more focused to Loire Valley wines, obviously, because we are in the region for that. Uh, so I've always been exposed to those wines. Uh, but the joy behind that is actually uh, the explanation, the vibrancy, the, the journey 
that you, you do along the way. Mm. And that uh, there is no, let's say, it's, not, it's never endless. It's always, you know, ongoing all the time in my head that there is always something to learn more and more and more and more than just sleeping in our head and say, you know what, everything is achieved. Mm. No, it's not true. At, at what point did you make the decision to, to, to seek work, work um, outside of the Loire Valley? I mean, uh, the, after those two years, obviously, in this small restaurant where I learned the basics, I moved to that uh, one star. And it's there when I really kind of like understanding a bit more wines and stuff like that. And I was like, okay, now I need to do something. I need to do a degree in wine. And obviously, being in France, obviously, education in terms of hospitality is very high. And you are, let's say, you know, surrounding by everything. Mm -hmm. There is uh, no... There is no uh, boundaries. There is everything is open to you. So, and I don't know why I end up to to be working uh, some of the most amazing two Michelin star uh, outside of my town. It's still in Loire Valley, but about three hundred k west side, just on the seaside. Mm -hmm. Beautiful restaurant uh, mm -hmm. called Anne de Bretagne that was run by uh, Madame Vetele, which was uh, actually renowned as a sommelier uh, back at that time. She was actually elected as a best sommelier in, uh, by the guide, uh, uh, one of the guide Michelin uh, at that time. And I don't know why I end up to this restaurant. I called them and I was like, you know, I would like just to know if you have an opportunity for a mention complémentaire uh, sommelier, which is like a diploma in sommelier at that time, which is about uh, a year running. And then after you can still continue if you want to, which I did. And after my, uh, so, after my two years in that Michelin star, I already planned everything about three or four months before. So mm. I knew where I was going, but I didn't know what is going to be, but I knew that I wanted to follow that path. And even my uh, girlfriend at the time saying, I don't know what you're following, but let's see. I was like, I don't know as well, but I know that is, is for me. Mm. And, and I moved there in uh, August, uh, 2006 at the time, uh, 2006. Yeah. And uh, now it's about 12 years ago now, so which is crazy because uh, that restaurant gave me almost the uh, the jump where I became from a very, very small uh, apprenticeship to someone that I could be, you know, very proud of it. And it's there everything starts because from there and now everything follows their path. Mm. Uh, and... So you, you went from one Michelin to two Michelin, uh, you know, and working with uh, an incredible um, sommelier. Um, did you have ideas about um, working further away or, you know, getting experience in other countries? Did you have any opportunity to travel? I mean, uh, I think, you know, life is all about connection. The job is all about connection as well. So I never had a plan, more or less. But I think all the time I had that opportunity to have the right partners or the right people to speak with that give me the, my next challenge. And that is not given to everyone because it's all about timing. As uh, my dear assistant says to, uh, to me, sometimes it's all about story and journey. And that is true because uh, at that time, uh, I had friends where I used to work before that knew someone that worked in England and he was a master sommelier. And while I was doing this apprenticeship in that two Michelin star where we had uh, 25,000 bottles, uh, four different sellers and amazing kind of, uh, you know, tools to work with, I wanted more. So I flew six months before. I remember it was in, 
in January 2007 to England in Tunbridge Wells where I met this uh, gentleman called Dimitri Mena. He was a master sommelier. He passed in 2004 and I met with him and, you know, he's like, oh, okay, you met with my friends and you, I know you want to work with, uh, uh, different things. I was like, yeah, I just want to, you know, I just want to, to apply perhaps if there is any opportunities. And at that time it was none. Anyway, I didn't have any way to move there because I still have, you know, six months contract with my previous employer. So I was like, you know, it's just for me to kind of, you know, draw uh, a certain way of, you know, of thinking what I'm going to do next. And that was a real uh, pleasure to meet people with uh, such passion and also from the same region. So we were talking the same language or, or uh, at the same time. Um, so in, even though you're working in this two Michelin restaurant and, you know, 25,000 bottles, was it still a fairly, um, at least fairly focused on, on the local region or for French wine? It was actually everyone, everywhere in, inside of France, top league, Loire, top, uh, Provence, uh, Southwest, Bordeaux, Alsace, uh, Champagne. Uh, and I'm sure I'm missing some uh, of those, but it was uh, focused a lot from top producers from from all over France. Uh, we didn't have any thing outside of it; it was only French wine. So, but you know, you you work with some of the some some of the best tools. You know, every week we had a uh, we had that room at the back of the restaurant, a beautiful place uh, close to the swimming pool. I mean, the, the place was amazing, and every week we had the tasting, uh, a tasting either with the with the head sommelier or the owner, and sometimes uh, the winemakers were coming because um, she was quite, uh, you know, important in the business. So Olivier Poussier, meilleur sommelier uh, of the world, uh, was coming sometimes uh, twice a year there. So we had uh, this opportunity to, to see some amazing uh, kind of uh, people in the wine industry. So... I don't know. I think I had the, the right luck at the right time. Mm. And uh, at, at a certain point, you did get the opportunity to, to move to, to England and, and start working there? Yeah, I started uh, in November 20, uh, 2007. I uh, moved to to England uh, knowing that I could speak English, which is not the case because I, I moved to the northern part of uh, England in York, where I started in Hotel du Vin, which was run by uh, Gérard Basset at the time. Where at the time I didn't have any kind of understanding who was uh, Gérard Basset until, you know, you start to work in uh, Hotel du Vin, which was a uh, leading uh, league of uh, top sommeliers and uh, beautiful wine list. It was obviously classic restaurant bistro, but uh, with amazing uh, wine list. So that uh, was the opportunity uh, to be uh, just a commis sommelier there and see what, uh, you know, what life can be. But obviously in my opportunity, moving to England, it was to become a master sommelier. Already you had this idea straight from the beginning yeah so what was it like to go um from working in france in talking about french wines to i'm assuming if it is called hotel de vin it was a, a french restaurant a it, it was a french restaurant uh very orientated to obviously french cooking uh, but the the cellar was definitely worldwide so uh, so this was a, an opportunity for you to work with more wines from around the world but also to uh, engage with a different kind of clientele and especially in, in in probably a lot more in English. Yeah, definitely the English part was very difficult because being a French, you are a little bit lazy about language uh, as they are as well. But uh, I think the the overall perspective was definitely to learn a different kind of uh, uh, strategy about wines and uh, learn a different uh, just learn a different culture of uh, working and uh, understanding the wine industry, understanding uh, what it is to work in a very high level and all the time. 
even though you were in the north part of England, the the, the uh, expectation in wine was just beyond uh, what I was expecting at the beginning. Would, did you find it challenging to understand people with a very thick northern accent? It was very difficult, but uh, <laughs> I think uh, what uh, makes me to... I mean, think what, uh, what was easy, it was that my uh, f- last, I mean, the first, the head sommelier, uh, which is now working in Australia, and this uh, gentleman, Remy, uh, that used to be my assistant as well uh, in my few different businesses, uh, was there. So it was easier, you know, when you have a French-related people surrounding you, it, it helps you to develop. But uh, the beginning, the first year was very difficult with the language, definitely. Mm. So how did you end up working for Heston Blumenthal? So I was, uh, at the time, still in York, uh, where I was working with Remy Cousin, and he was my head sommelier at the time. And, and I don't know, when he moved to Fat Duck uh, in 2009, it was the beginning of 2009. Uh, I mean, actually, it was July 2009. Uh, Isabel, uh, one of the head sommeliers from, uh, from the Fat Duck, contacted me. He's like, you know, I heard about you. Uh, I know that you, 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 you are a good person, but I would like just to know if you would like to work for us. And I was like, you know, I don't want because, uh, I had so much, obviously, bad experience from three star, you know, being, uh, working in stage in different three star back in France at the time. I, I didn't want to go back to that path where, you know, you, you treated like uh, no one and you just have to do what you need to do. But this was after Fat Duck was named the number one restaurant in the world. Yeah, wasn't it was it? In 2005, yeah. Fat Duck was named and, 2009, I had the opportunity to work for them, but I first time I refused. I mean, I talked with uh, Isa, and I was not committed to go for those reasons that I was mentioning now. But uh, then after, obviously, everything started to change. Uh, I realized that actually after once I refused, twice I refused. The third time I was working in Winchester in the same company as Hotel Luvain, but in a different hotel in the south part of England. And... Remy came to see me. It's like, listen, that is the last opportunity for you to work there. And I was like, okay. Uh, so I decided to actually to, to move to the Fat Duck in, uh, in February. Actually, in, it was in 2008 when he moved there. So in 2009, beginning of 2009, I, I started to join the team in February uh, with the Fat Duck. And I remember the first interview with, I had with Isa. He's like, look, uh, I'm not saying that I can promise anything to you, but I can see that uh, with your talent, you can go far. And I was like, Okay, and he said, in two years, I will make you to be a, a very strong sommelier in the business. Wow. And I was like, okay, fine. Let's see, you know. Uh, you know, it's two years from there. And I was like, you never know. So I was like, okay, if you say it, maybe you, you know it. Maybe you have a, a kind of a power to see those things. But uh, at the beginning, I didn't believe it. But I was like, you know, it's a new new experience for me. So I jumped into it. But in the meantime, I obviously, uh, it was in, uh, actually, that was in uh November, mm-hmm. and I first moved in October in Winchester, and I met obviously my my wife, which is now, and it was back in December when we started to date. And January, I was uh, going to move everything, and I was like, okay, maybe I should stay in Hotel Luvain. And I was like, maybe it's not the right decision. Okay, I'll move to the Fat Duck. Uh, so we decided to actually, you know, it was just the beginning of, beginning of our relationship, and I was like, okay, fine. I go there and see how it is, you know, at the end of the day, you know, woman is a woman and we see how how it goes. (laughs) (laughs) Luckily, they both worked out. Everything works out very well. And uh, since 2009, obviously, the experience is still uh, going on and I'm still working for for Eston after all those years. Uh, Obviously, winning different accolades and, you know, 
being a stronger person, being a stronger professional, and everything. Obviously, you know, each restaurant is different, and each view is different. But along the way, you 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 put your 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 life in in a way that you know you work for yourself, and you need to be stronger all the time. And even though you work for someone, you you need to always believe that yes, you work for someone, but at the same time, you need to make a, a career for yourself. Mm. So that was the right uh, decision, I think. After many years and, and following this different pathway, um, working in other restaurants in France and, and in, in um, other parts of England, what was it like going back to a, a three Michelin star restaurant and, and having had that, that behind you and that, that strength and confidence? You know, what, what was it like going back into that environment? I don't know. I think, uh, I think the fat duck is a very different uh, three star than other restaurants. It's not as classic. You really need to, to put your personality, uh, into the, the floor and, uh, you know, learn with, uh, such a very high strategy and a high uh, demand and standards, uh, as the father keys. And, uh, first of all, the, the first thing is you are surrounding by such amazing professionals from all over the world. And that was the, the key point, you know, work with different culture, work with different assets and skilled uh, people. You, you really need to, to push yourself every single day to, to be able to, to, to shine, I will say, but without to shine, because, you know, you don't want to be a star. You want just to become a, a better professional in the business. Mm. So, um, how, how how long were you at uh, Fat Duck before a new opportunity started to present themselves? So I uh, started in Feb '09. Uh, everything was perfect, you know. Moving to after two years, obviously uh, that we mentioned, is uh, I become uh, some of the youngest in the England to become uh, on the top uh, of uh, some of the sommelier competition, uh, winning different accolades. Uh, you know, everything start to kind of like move. I start to do competition for England, young somebody in England. Uh, and, you know, the fact that I always uh, wanted to kind of move their side to, to be able to, you know, to refurbish that restaurant and, uh, Courchevel, Monaco, no, uh, New York was uh, always mentioned, but actually we end up to be in, uh, in Australia mm. where, I never thought I would be coming in Australia one day, and, and actually the FADDOC moved in uh, in January 2015 to to Australia in Melbourne, where we moved within the Crown, and we were, you know, be able to to be there for seven months, and I was like, fine, it's going to be another experience, and and you know, learn more about other wines, and you know, a big challenge again. And that was uh, amazing because the challenge is always something that pushed me a lot. Mm. Was the challenge also kind of? Effect in in essence taking what the fat duck is and placing it in somewhere completely different in the world and you know in introducing totally new clientele to this kind of experience rather than going somewhere and establishing something new or or coming and working somewhere that's very established and like your 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 the the context of the experience changes completely because the menu. The menu is the menu, you know. It's not specific to that place. It is it is Heston's menu, and and the wine list to a certain extent is is, is similarly designed. Was that was that a, a, a really unique experience doing that? I mean, it's unique, but at the same time, we were taking uh, uh, an English restaurant in Australia, and that was uh, doing what we were doing every single day, every single day, and replicate it in a way 
for you know for the world and for for Australian uh, Australian uh, communities is very open to many different culture of food and obviously uh, you can see it in many different ways obviously different uh, culture that you have in Melbourne are quite open to what Eastern Blumenthal is you know uh, he's been doing MasterChef for many years and and since then obviously they were all waiting for someone like Eastern Blumenthal to to come in that country and and showcase a little bit more what uh, is hospitality in terms of uh, memories, uh, journey, and uh, the exposure of flavors that we could give. But the wine list was just, uh, is not obviously the, the main, uh, let's say, uh, part there. The, the wine list was made with def definitely something more Australian rather than uh, European wines, and that was definitely a big challenge for us uh, as a sommelier because uh, we touched different Australian wines or other, let's say, foreign wines uh, in Australia or in England, sorry. But I think what was the key was to 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 be able to work with boutique, small and quite innovative winery. That was the, the key part. Do you like the the opportunity? I should say, uh, working in Melbourne, kind of introducing or like interacting with Australian consumers and showing them Australian wines from that kind of. English perspective to say this is why we love this wine and do you find that some customers sort of say oh wow yeah I never thought of it from that perspective it's it's really interesting I never really had the opportunity to, to drink old wines from Yeringberg for example I mean what is very important I think uh, the first things that uh, start to take in my brain is that to be able to to leave England and move to Melbourne and still find the joy of you know learning and exploring. The difference was that from England, uh, vineyards uh, perspective are very low. So when I was working in Loire, I could just do 15, 20 minutes of car and be in a vineyard. Sure. And that was the, the, the amazing change in Melbourne, the, traveling to Yara Valley, uh, Geelong, Macedon. Uh, you start to actually, everything you learn about Australia, because I, I was already learning about Australian wines back in England, because, you know, for to become advanced master sommelier and master sommelier, you really need to push those boundaries and, and push your studies. But when I traveled to Melbourne, everything makes sense. I was like, wow, this is like Loire Valley with a different dimension. Obviously, Melbourne is a very uh, kind of, you know, dynamic, uh, explosive and newest uh, city. So everything was all about finding something where I could just find the love of wine. And what I find is that I find that there is so much respect, love and passion on those beautiful wineries which are surrounding Melbourne. Mm. And you, you chose to stay in Melbourne when uh, the, the Fat Duck became Dinner by Heston and you've been here for a few years now and, and you have uh, a very strong and dedicated team working with you at the restaurant. I mean, at the beginning... Uh, Opportunity came, we were talking with uh, our head sommelier, Isabel, and, you know, it's never been kind of uh, the, the factor to stay. My wife was actually, we just getting married, and I left seven months in Australia. Everything was a little bit, you know, messy. You know, you, you're alone in a country where you don't know, you don't have a person which is close to you. So everything doesn't link things. But over, above all, uh, Eston Blumenthal asked me to, to come to dinner and be able to, you know, to, to showcase what I learned along the way with them. And so, yeah, I stay in Melbourne for now, uh, three years altogether, two years in dinner. And I've got a, maybe one of the maybe greatest team in, 
in uh, in Melbourne that I have with uh, you know I've got 13 people all together with the bar and uh, sommeliers and uh, you know I, I have so much luck to to be able to work with such amazing professional and and also you know it must be uh, a challenging but rewarding experience working with local winemakers and you know Australian based importers of European wines do you enjoy the challenge of sourcing interesting wines and tasting new things and learning I mean there's one thing I remember is like when I did my uh, my year in uh, wine uh, in school in France I was uh, I was first of all uh, lucky to work in a school where the person that teaches about wines was so passionate and loving about wine that everything makes sense you know work with small biodynamic organic or even natural or even different wineries uh, go to pick grapes and be able to see how wines are made and when you come to australia you see that actually everything is very similar but the understanding is different but the pleasure and the passion is there and mm. that uh, you cannot forget about it that with passion and with dedication you can achieve anything yeah. and that is what i have done since the day one is to put every single time second minute into Uh, something which is so valuable. Hospitality is not just about serving a plate, serving a glass of wine. It's all about uh, welcoming guests and welcoming uh, someone in your home. And that you cannot change it. It's a natural way of living. It's the humanity of it. Absolutely. Uh, well, I, I, of course, you know, with uh, with your um, with Matia, you're both uh, studying, preparing for Master Sommelier. You both um passed one or two components of it and there are many more challenges and experiences to come of course uh, and this time of year very busy with the restaurant so i really really do appreciate you making some time to come and and, and chat about your background your journey um if if you would like people to follow you on social media do you want to share any social media accounts yeah of course you know being uh french and i would say half hungarian now uh, so my uh <laughs> My uh, my kind of uh, big word is uh, Oremus and uh, Oremus 1985 on uh, Instagram, uh, on uh, Twitter. Obviously, I follow uh, obviously most of the wines from Hungary, so I've got so much love with those wines. So I name it against uh, something obviously that I visit with Vega Sicilia. I mean Oremus in in Hungary, and being in a top vintage like 85, you cannot forget about it. <laughs> It's my sister's vintage as well. Uh, but thank you very much and uh, I do encourage everyone to, to make the time to go to Dinner by Heston uh, and if you see Mattia out and about please do let him know that you heard him on the podcast we'll do it definitely and thank you listeners for joining us on this episode of the Vincast I have been James Gersbrook otherwise known as the Intrepid Wino and as always you can find me on social media I'm at Intrepid Wino on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And you can follow the podcast on Twitter at The Vincast. Uh, I'd love for you to subscribe to the podcast on any number of different podcast uh, sharing apps and programs uh, such as iTunes, Player FM, Stitcher, 
Podbean, iHeartRadio. Subscribing means that you get the newest episode as soon as it becomes available. But uh, many of those platforms are also a great way to share your appreciation for the show and for the guests who generously donate their time by leaving a rating and review. Uh, And it also is a great way for the podcast to get out to more of an audience. I always appreciate uh, anything that people can do to to get the word out. Why not just uh, tell someone in real life uh, about the podcast because because uh, I really appreciate new listeners. Uh, of course, uh, you can find me on my website, intrepidwino.com. There's lots of different content there. Um, I've had the opportunity to travel quite a lot and I've written about some of the places that I've been. Uh, and you can also find my YouTube channel, uh, Intrepid Wino is, uh, is the account. And uh, there's lots of different videos there, including approaching 200 editions of Let's Taste, where I look at Australian uh, wines, uh, and also um, my winemaking experiences uh, please do um, check out the vino intrepido wines uh, i work exclusively with uh, italian varieties grown here in australia but uh, guys i'm really excited to get some more episodes of the podcast out very soon thank you so much to everyone who stuck with me and thanks to all the new listeners i really appreciate your support until next time bye Melbourne's Podcast Network. EarbudsNetwork.com.